You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. This morning, um, I really felt to bring a word, a really simple word from my heart this morning, just entitled, Worship is Our Honour. And I don't always speak on the topic of worship, but today I felt like it was a really important thing to do. You know, Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Honour the Lord for the glory of His name and worship the Lord in the splendour of His holiness. Worship is not an event. Worship is more than a moment. Worship is more than our Sunday expression, more than a song, more than a euphoric experience. For the worship of God is the rightful response from a heart that has been postured in absolute thanksgiving to being found by the Creator of all the world. Worship is our faith expressed. Worship begins with our revelation knowledge of Jesus and the created starts to worship the Creator. All of creation was designed to worship. Isaiah tells us that every single person was designed to worship, but it's not until we get a revelation in our hearts of Jesus Christ that our worship finds its rightful home. The world is worshiping a whole lot of things. In the West, we can be worshiping our homes, worshiping being busy, worshiping schedules. You know, some people end up finding their heart finds its home in alcohol and drugs and we can't escape these things. It's because we are all designed to bring our best to something. And until we have a revelation of Jesus, from that moment, our heart starts to respond in its rightful way and our inner posture changes. Isn't that awesome? Romans 12, it tells us this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God. Everyone say, by the mercy of God. God. Oh, I like that. By the mercy. I'm an Aussie. By the mercy. (laughs) The mercy. Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It goes on and it says, but do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, Romans 12 gives us this picture of worship, presenting our bodies, the whole of our life before God, our daily yes and yielding to the Spirit of God our daily trusting and following the heart of God. And you know, church, if you're not planted in the Word of God, the Word is our foundation, then our worship can actually easily disintegrate into works. We start trying to work our way to please our God, but God's saying, just come before me through Jesus. You have full access to come before me. The revelation of a heart that has been changed by the love of God and our response is to worship. 
You know, when I got saved, I'd been singing since I was 10, full time. I got saved at 15. And it's really funny to me at the time, I was living out of home, it's a long story. I was renting a little room at the back of a single mum's home. And my father, who had rededicated his life to Christ, came and picked me up from that home, took me to a youth meeting. Thank God for youth meetings is what I'm gonna say. And my life, I opened my heart to the love of God. And from that day to this, before God, I can tell you that I'm still overwhelmed by the love of God. So deep, so wide. And my heart found its home. It's like I heard music finally doing what it was created to do. When my heart was open and I found music bringing me into worship. And I saw all these people from all different generations, musical tastes and styles, and yet here they come in unity singing this song. I still remember the song. It was an old song called I Hear the Sound of the Army of the Lord. I don't know if they used to sing it here, but we sang it in Australia. Thank God that we've moved on. (laughs) But um, yeah, I remember going, oh my gosh, this is worship the song of worship, but interestingly, my heart, like all I wanted to do was serve. It wasn't that all I wanted to do was sing, even though I could, all I wanted to do was serve. I was like that annoying kid who turned up at church at everything. I I wasn't with my parents, so I even turned up to a church board meeting. (laughs) Bring it on. And they're like, no, tonight's not that night. You're not welcome here. I'm like, what? (laughs) But you know, Romans, when it declares and it says to present your bodies as a living and acceptable offering before God, that's what our worship is. I found this amazing word, this Hebrew word. The word is avoda, A-V-O-D-A-H. And what it means, it jointly means three things. It means to work, worship, and serve. Work, worship, and serve. The various uses of this Hebrew word you find firstly in Genesis 2, when God is talking to Adam and Eve about tending the Garden of Eden. And He actually uses this Hebrew word, avodah. I want you to come and I want you to work and worship and serve, it doesn't separate them. You know, put it on for Sunday, take it off for Monday. It doesn't separate it, it keeps it together. The exact same word is used in Exodus, when Exodus 8, when the Lord says, let my people go, when people are in captivity, the Israelites just so broken down by slavery, let my people go that they may worship me, the Lord says, but actually the word is avoda. Let them go that they may work, worship and serve me. It's so interesting to me. Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. It's actually avoda. But as for me and my house, we're gonna work, we're gonna worship and we're gonna serve the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Which shows us, that we don't put on our worship 
and we're not limited to songs or gifts or talents. God's saying, bring your whole self, bring your whole self before me. Worship transforms everything in the sense that worship, when your life is given to worship, it is enthroning the King of Kings in every area of your life, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether in the secret place, whether you're doing laundry, whatever it is, when you are bringing your whole life before God, it's enthroning the King of Kings, thereby ushering in the Kingdom of God to each and every situation. Every situation. Let me show you a beautiful picture in the word of a life poured out in worship, a couple if I get time, from Luke 7, 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And so he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, just, it's so judgy. When I get to heaven, I wanna talk to Luke about this. I'm like, really, really, did you ever do nothing wrong? Anyway, he actually in some versions, it says an especially wicked sinner. I'm like, get off your high horse. Anyway, back to the word. When this woman learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair and she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And then when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, right, so now he's thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort, again, so judgy, of woman, this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answers Simon's thought and says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon's like, say it, teacher. You can hear he's ready for the, the, all the wonder from Jesus about him. Then Jesus gives him another story. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. But when they couldn't pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon said, well, the one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then Jesus turns toward the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Like, do you actually see her? Do you really see her? I came in and you gave me no water for my feet. But she, she's wet my feet with her tears. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she hasn't ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, so he's not ignoring the fact, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. 
See, the Pharisees criticised Jesus for letting himself be touched by a sinful woman. But what did Jesus do? He praised her for her act of worship. You know, here's this woman who, according to the law of the day, she wouldn't have been allowed in that home. She would have been ostracised by her community. She had a reputation. This man has a guest, and yet this woman, because her heart was drawn to the Saviour of the world who was sitting in that house, her need in her, you know, I said that in Isaiah, it says that everybody is created to worship. This woman, the home for her worship was sitting in that home. And so she was going beyond all of the cultural norms and was a very brave woman, may I say. And she stepped out and there she is now, blessing the heart of God. And ultimately she's rewarded with what? A free heart. Her act of faith, her braveness, her humility, it ushered her into peace. And this is what happens when we go against the flow of the culture of this day and we step into these brave spiritual spaces and we lean into the heart of God. He never disappoints. He never disappoints. What about King David? When it comes to worship is our honour. What about King David, a radical lover of God? And he brought the Ark of the Covenant home to the tabernacle in Jerusalem. And it, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 6 that King David's heart literally overflowed. And then the Bible says he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Like this is pretty awesome. I won't give you an example. But this mighty warrior, a crowned king, someone who sits on a worldly throne, a public figure, with, I'm sure, a lot to lose in the natural. But he was so consumed with rejoicing around the glory of God coming close that he celebrates by dancing with all his might. And it wasn't like his best mate down the road who criticised him. It was his wife who criticises him. And she's like, oh, how wild it is for King David to be seen like this. You know, how, how ridiculous. And King David answers in that story, if you wanna look it up later. And he's like, oh woman, I can be much more undignified than this. David told her it's not about what people think. And his worship in this case was bringing obedience before the Lord, wholehearted act of worship. Ultimately, again, what does free dancing represent? It represents freedom. When, when you encounter God through bringing the whole of your life, when you're not worried about what people think, you are well on your way to experiencing freedom like you've never experienced it before. So my first point, that was just an introduction. My first point is this. Worship is our life, not just our lifestyle. Romans 12 asks us, bring your life, not your gifts and talents, not your trills, not your favourite song. He's like, bring the whole of your life. 
You know, we've got to be careful with phrases like, well, what did you think about the worship today? It's not for you. It's not for you. It's for Him. It will invite you in. It will give you safe passage to the courts of God. It helps you express the inexpressible. But ultimately, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And you know, He makes it all about us because He responds with His presence. James 4, a draw near to God and He will what? Draw near to you. But initially, you know, we've got to be so careful. We don't, oh, they didn't sing my favourite song. I don't actually like that worship leader. It was a bit loud. We've got to be so careful, family. Once I sat with the hundreds of beautiful African young people in Rwanda. All of their parents had died in the genocide. So now it's uh, 10 years on. 10 years on and they're talking to me about worship and you know, anyone who's had influence in their lives, wherever they come from in the world, they claim you as a parent. And these, these kids, because they were taken in by people who really love the Lord, at night, you know, these kids had no one to read them books, no one to read them stories or go over their algebra, etc. These kids, they learned to put on worship music every night. Worship music parented them and raised them up into knowing who they are in Christ. So one of them challenged me because he'd heard a song that um, worship is a lifestyle. He'd heard a worship song. He's like, Mama Darlene, what is that song about? And I listened to it and I'm like, oh, actually, I'm not quite sure. But <laughs> I didn't write it. I was listening to it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, but he said, worship is, it sounds like you have options. He says, you know, worship is not a lifestyle. And I thought about it later and I thought, yeah, he's saying it's not like you're lying by the beach. You know, like, will I, um, you know, play a beach volleyball or will I go for a swim? It's like, it's not like an option like this. He's saying worship is my life. It's my life. It's my breath. I don't breathe unless I know the hope that I found in the presence of God through worship, making His presence really visible and tangible in my life. And I was really challenged. See, God gave us the gift of being able to express freely our devotion to Christ. But it was a gift that came at great cost. It's not, it wasn't, Jesus going the cross wasn't a lifestyle choice. It wasn't a lifestyle choice. Matthew 27 verse 50, it said, Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and He yielded up His spirit. And at that moment, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So the veil that had separated humanity from the presence of God, all through the Old Testament we read about this, was never again to be a problem. God heard the ache of humanity. You know, up until that point, man had to go um, to the priest and the priest could only go in once a year into the Holy of Holies, to the presence of Almighty God. And God knew because of the ache on the earth that we needed our God, Emmanuel, Jesus with us, His presence with me. Emmanuel, God with us. There was so much law up until that point. 
around personal worship. And even as David, King David challenged everything in the way worship was expressed. But Jesus still had to make a way so that God's presence was never again limited at a place to go, but that His presence was now among us, in us, through us, before us, beside us. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, where can I go? (laughs) It was actually very prophetic. Where can I go from your presence, God? Never again, God's presence just determined or limited by our actions, but by His goodness. See, through Jesus, Hebrews spells it out in chapter 13. It says, through Jesus or through Him, let us offer up to God the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips, giving thanks to His name. In John 4, 24, from the Passion Translation, it says, from here on, Worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and He longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore Him in the realm of the spirit and truth. Can I hear an amen this morning? So worship is our life, not just our lifestyle. Number two, truthful worship will always take faith. Paul prays in Ephesians 3, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that He would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. Constantly using our faith. The problem we have now in the West that we so celebrate feelings that when we allow our feelings to direct our worship, when we allow our feelings to tell us how high or how deep, our feelings lie to us every day. Our feelings are good, they're a God-given gift, but if you live in accordance with your feelings rather than live in accordance with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, you will find yourself living in accordance with the culture of this world. Worship always takes faith. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. It's a matter of telling my will that I will. It's by faith. We don't all wake up every day going, oh, I just wanna worship. It's often a wrestle. And I can tell you for any people who lead worship, I'll tell you, Saturday night is often like war is on. Whether it's the kids or your friends or your husband (laughs) or your wife, let's be equal opportunity, or your wife. 
And then Sunday morning, it's like I want to lead people in worship and I am tired and I am mad. And I do, so then do we slip into fake? No, we go by faith. We go by faith. Every time I go to lead worship, I have learned, in fact, I've had some amazing masters of worship teach me over the years. And I remember one man, he was a bass player in our team, Ian Fisher. I remember one day we had to do so many services in a day because there were so many people. And I remember him, we had 12 minutes. I'm like, 12 minutes? What can we do in 12 minutes? And I remember him grabbing all of us. He goes, right, 12 minutes. The second your foot gets on that platform, I want you to declare war in this place. We're gonna declare war. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus and no weapon formed against anybody will prosper. Let's go. And we're all like, okay. (laughs) But you know what, in 12 minutes, Man, we encountered the fullness of the living God and something shifted in the atmosphere and faith rose. That wasn't fake, my friend. That took faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But with faith, all things are possible. God is a good God. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk not by feelings or fads, We're not led by trends or opinions. We've got to be so careful in the 21st century church. We're not trying to be like every other church. We're trying to strip back the atmosphere so that it must bow down. Any chaos must bow down in the presence of Almighty God. And so we continue to walk and live in Christ. And our faith grows and it grows through the pain. And it grows through the hard times, through the valleys as we experience God's precious relief in the midst of the toughest of times. Truthful worship helps keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Family, sometimes you've got to sing it until you believe it. It's just how it goes. Our flesh can be stubborn. You know, I love to worship. I've seen God move through worship in song. I've had to learn to yield my whole of myself as a worshiper. But you know, I've seen God move by His might and power so many times. But my flesh can be stubborn too. You know, I just came through five years cancer-free in Jesus' name. And you know, I... I'd been leading worship a long, long time before then. Just ask Drew. (laughs) A thousand years. (laughs) I'm gonna give him a hard time because he's an Australian and he can hack it, right? He can hack it. No offence, no offence. Remember, we got that great message at Cherish. We've got to be unoffendable, right? Yeah, go Drew. Okay. (laughs) But you know, when I hit that, on the sixth chemo, and you know, chemo's a, oh, it's hell. First week, you think you're gonna die. The second week, you scrape yourself off the floor enough to get out of bed. The third week, they pump you full of steroids to go do it again. And some people choose not to, and I can understand why. I felt a grace to do that. So on the sixth time, my girlfriend had been visiting and I was not in a good way because I just was really scared about going in for the last time. I thought it might take me out. 
And she's like, no, you're going to do it. And I'm like, ah. And she's like, right, there's a new song out by Bethel called You Make Me Brave and you're going to listen to it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. She, yes, you are. And she was stronger than me in that point. So she laid in bed with me and she said, let's listen. So I'm like, <laughs> you make me brave. Like it was not brave. Here she goes, right. And I said, thank you. And she said, no, no, we're going to listen to that again. That girl stuck with me in that bed until I was ready, until I sensed a breakthrough in the spirit realm over my own soul and flesh that my spirit had precedence in this moment. I had to teach my soul to sing in these moments. We can lay down and we can be quiet and it is hard. But you know, can I challenge you through grace, through the Spirit of God, find your way, find a friend if you can't get there yourself that's going to challenge you enough to say, we are going to worship and we are going to keep worshipping till we get to the other side, my love. And you don't want to reserve your praise until after the breakthrough. Faith is about praising before you see the miracle. It's where the power is. Our worship is such a weapon. It's a weapon of warfare. But you can lay your sword down. You can lay it down and let it sit there and let the world tell you impossible. Come on, church. These are the days we're living in. We've got to stand up, be fueled by the Spirit of God. And let the Spirit of God do in you what only He can do. Amen. Sorry, I'm yelling. <laughs> it's okay. I can see Dave down here going, what's your voice? What's your voice? If the worship team could come, please, that'd be awesome. My last point is this. Well, it's like a question that I'm actually going to answer for you. Where does worship lead us? Where does it lead us? It leads us to his presence. It leads us to his face. It leads us to his courts. Our thank you is like our entry point. It's like our password. If you want a password like you have on your phone into the courts of God, it's praise. It's your worship. God has promised in Psalm 22.3, to inhabit the praises of his people. There's a great new song, by the way, by Leland called something like that, You Inhabit the Praises of Your People. We started doing it in Australia this weekend. It is so powerful. I'm just putting it out there. Writing it down, baby. I'll send you the link. Can I tell you around that, God is always true to his promises. And as I said, our worship provides a place of meeting with God, a place for us to encounter His presence and embrace His invitation to go deep with Him and to walk with Him as He works through our lives, just yielded lives. The presence of God. You know, I've heard some crazy teaching around the presence of God. You know, some people kind of almost like as if it's the fourth member of the Trinity, like we need one more. It's like, no, 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 no. His presence is His nearness. It's like when you walk into a room, you bring your presence. Your presence has an effect in the atmosphere when you walk into a room. That's the fullness of our God. When He comes near, that's His presence. 
And He continually welcomes us into a deeper knowledge and encounter with His presence. Church, one encounter with the Lord changes everything. You know, in James, as I said, God's heart to beckon us to draw near is not just a cutesy phrase and He'll draw near to us, it's actually His promise. It's not always comfortable in God's presence because it's where He speaks. It's where we are changed and loved and challenged just like a good God, a good Father, where we are loved and healed, but it's the safest place there is. When you feel overwhelmed in life, when you feel like depression is nipping at your heels or anxiety, can I tell you, find your way to His presence. Let worship do what only worship can do and lead you into His presence. The songs are not the worship. The songs are the vehicle. They help you express what at times is inexpressible and they help you bring faith when you are feeling like you've got no way to say what is in your heart to say. This is where children have a real um, advantage over us. You know, they have such a childlike, not childish, childlike faith that God asks us to emulate. They're not second guessing everything. They're not trying to overcomplicate or over intelligize anything. They just come in simply and believe. I love that Pastor Emma and Pastor Drew's little girl in the first service, do you know what she said? And I hope I'm allowed to say this. Well, I am now. Um, In the middle of, uh, as we were singing songs of worship, she says to her mum, I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. This little girl came to encounter Jesus today. What did you come to encounter today? I love that, I feel Jesus. You know, one of my grandchildren, I have five. I've got three daughters, two son-in-loves, five grandbabies. My eight-year-old grandson is um, on the autism spectrum. He's beautiful. They say non-verbal, but can I tell you, if you just get into his level and look into his eyes, he communicates with you very clearly. But one of the things I love about Roman and how he's teaching us, Roman Emmanuel Mark Hood, he teaches us every day, is that he might be playing and doing something and he's just in his own world and then suddenly he's like, oh, ha, babbling away, having a conversation and me and my daughters are like, what's he seeing? He's seeing an angel. I know it. I know. We're like, what could you see, Roman? What is it? And but his lack of, what is it, like veil across his eyes, he's just in between the heavenly and the natural. He's just, it's very natural for him. Children teach us many things about how to come into God's presence, just expecting him to move. Childlike faith. Moses' tabernacle, although magnificent, musically and architecturally like exhilarating. If you read the Old Testament and thousands of people's lives set apart for moments of God's glory, but still under law, it was impossible to sustain. David pushed into his heart connection and he changed everything radical. 
We say that word radical, but this boy was a radical. No more worship contained within a set space and time, but back to the heart where no man can reduce or steal the power of your worship. No man can tell you how deep, how wide you're gonna go in your worship. No place, no religious expectation. And this is where David pushed into. But finally, through that broken body of Jesus, through His resurrection life, Jesus changed everything as an all access pass to God's presence and power. If we really try to understand what Jesus did for us, I think it, you know, I try, but it just causes me to weep to understand what He went through so that you and I can not just have life, but life in all its fullness, full access to the goodness of God, to the speaking God. In Psalm 50, verse 13, God Himself says about the old covenant, He says, Would I eat the flesh of bulls? Or would I drink the blood of goats? And he's referring to the way the old covenant people would have to bring a blood covenant, bring a sacrifice. God actually says, no, no, just sacrifice a thank offering to me. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. That's as simple as God has made it. And as the church, the church, you and I, the body of Christ, the sons and the daughters, as we continue to gather in strength across the earth, and as the sound of our psalms and hymns and spiritual songs get louder and louder as they must, but so must like the mighty rushing waters of justice come along right beside us as the church continues to shine bright the love of Jesus. This is how kingdom culture invades this natural realm. As we stand and as we receive from our heavenly Father and from that place we go and everywhere your feet tread, like that 12 minutes of fire, everywhere your feet tread, you expect the glory and the goodness and the power and the presence of the Almighty God. You be confident that God is with me. No matter what fire, no matter what challenge, no matter what success, People tell me they want success and sometimes I say, I don't know that you do. Because success brings you options and options make you sloppy. Those that hunger and those that thirst after me shall be filled, says the Lord. We've got to stay hungry. Come on, we've got to stay hungry. Who's hungry for more of Jesus? You can have as much of Him as you want. So good. What are you waiting for, family? What are you waiting for? If there's people here this morning, you've never said yes to the love of God, can I encourage you today? Make today your day. We're not asking you to join a church. We're not asking you to join a club. We're saying, come into relationship with Jesus. 
Let Him set you free from your past, from your addictions, from all the things that drive you crazy at night. Like when the woman went into Jesus, what did He say? Go, woman, go in peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding is what accompanies a heart that has been opened to the love of God. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.